you're listening to the Tashi Station Book Club, the bright center in the universe for science fiction and fantasy literature discussion. I'm your host, Nancy, and joining me this month is Nicole to discuss The Stars Are Legion by Cameron Hurley. Welcome to the show, Nick. Hi, Nancy. Thank you for having me. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Some of you might recognize Nick from Ace Space, which is one of our shows, but uh, for... Everyone else, Nick, can you introduce yourself a little bit? Sure. I'm Nick. I'm Nicole Sia on Twitter. I've been a sci-fi fan since, um, I guess, since I was like 12 or 13. The first big franchise I got into was Planet of the Apes, because why not? (laughs) And um, I am kind of, I've taken a break from like, creative fan works over the past couple of years because of school and work, but I'm primarily um, a fic writer and artist, and sometimes I blog, and that's about it, once in a blue moon. Um, so, yeah. Cool. So, as I said, we are discussing The Stars Are Legion by Cameron Hurley. Uh, I was really excited about this book because... I follow Cameron Hurley on Twitter, but hadn't read any of her books because I'm not a big fantasy person. Um, and I just I had just hadn't gotten around to trying any of her other books. So when I saw that she had a space opera coming out, I was like, oh, yay, I, I'm excited. I'm going to read this. And <laughs> I'm glad I did because I liked it. So as we do in the book club, we will start with the plot description. Somewhere on the outer rim of the universe, a mass of decaying world ships known as the Legion is traveling in the seams between the stars. For generations, a war for control of the Legion has been waged, with no clear resolution. As worlds continue to die, a desperate plan is put into motion. Zan wakes with no memory, prisoner of a people who say they are her family. She is told she is their salvation, the only person capable of boarding the Mokshi, a world ship with the power to leave the Legion. But Zan's new family is not the only one desperate to gain control of the prized ship. Zan finds that she must choose sides in the genocidal campaign that will take her from the edges of the Legion's gravity well to the very belly of the world. Zan will soon learn that she carries the seeds of the Legion's destruction and its possible salvation. But can she and her ragtag band of followers survive the horrors of the Legion and its people long enough to deliver it? In the tradition of the fall of Hyperion and Dune, the Stars of Legion is an epic and thrilling tale about tragic love, revenge, and war, as imagined by one of the genre's most celebrated new writers. So, as I said before, I liked this book uh, a lot. I was a little, not hesitant to read it, but uh, I'd heard a lot of things about it, (laughs) and I wasn't (laughs) sure how I would be able to handle it, but um, I actually, I really, really liked it. Um, And I, you know... I haven't been shy on Twitter about that I have fertility issues, and I thought that was going to be a big problem for me reading this book since it's about, you know, birthing things, but it actually ended up being very helpful and kind of empowering to think of the idea of just, like, being able to swap rooms with someone. I'm like, how many times have I wished that I could do that? (laughs) 
I give you mine, girl. I I I know you you said that. Bria said that. I'm like, why can't I just take someone's room and everyone will be happy? Let's go to space and get it done, but not live in the Legion. <laughs> no, okay, no, I don't. We're just going. Okay, we're I, coming back. Yes, I don't want to okay. do it this way. <laughs> okay, good. I feel like I would get an infection. <laughs> right, everything's so yes. I feel like we would need it. Take like a hundred cranberry pills. <laughs> uh, so, what was your initial impressions of the book? So, I love this book. It's um, my favorite book I've read this year. Honestly, I first heard about it when um, a Twitter user, blog full of words, Megan. Some of you might know her. Was um, talking about it and said how disgusted. Like, how disgusting it was. <laughs> um, so I, I'm i a really big horror fan. Um, I really, and I'm really um, fascinated by body horror as, the, as a subgenre and kind of, like, a lot of, like, the psychology and emotions behind it other than just, oh, my God, look at that. That's really weird. Like, well, what are, you know, those characters thinking when they're living in worlds like this where everything's, you know, everything's alive and made of body parts and you're eating each other? Like, yeah. what's going, like, what's going through their minds? Like, how does this affect them emotionally in the long term? So um, I read the reviews and instantly downloaded it to my Kindle. And I think I read it in one night. And I'm wow. a very slow reader, actually. <laughs> so yeah, so. It, is, it is a very quick read, I think, mainly because there's the mystery involved. And you want to figure out, first of all, who Zan really is. And then second of all, what the hell is going on? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, so you had some, some thoughts before we get into like the world building and characters and stuff. Um, yeah. So mostly, um, so there's really four, <laughs> I really like this book. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> um, so there's four main things I took away from this book that I really like that stuck out to me. And, um. Three of them have to do with questions that aren't necessarily answered in the book, but um, Cameron leaves us to think about. The first is um, is the concept of the Legion as a society that used to be as flourishing as you'd see in most space operas, but it eventually, you know, crumbled crumbled into itself mm-hmm. because it, even though um, we're, I know we're going to, you know, talk about world building in a bit, but um, you know, there are mentions of things like metal. Yeah. For instance, like Annette's arm. I know there's um, like, I think it's, I think at one point Zan um, like grabs at a wall and. Yes. Metal. I- Yes, she does. Mm -hmm. So I just really love how, um, you know, it's made to seem like this civilization that, you know, isn't what you'd expect in a space opera. But at the same time, it's the idea of it being built on the on the ruins of something we're familiar with was really cool. Yeah, I, I thought the same thing. I 
it, it was a book where, you know, I understand why she didn't really get into the history um, because I think it is better left to the reader to speculate. But I, I was left wondering what what happened to them? How did they get <laughs> to this place? Were they ever like, you know, humans as we know them? Uh, yeah. Did something happen to make them give up technology or is it just the evolution? And yeah. when um when I asked you to come on, I had said, I want I'm like, or I think I tweeted something like, I am getting really big Yuzhan Vong vibes from this book. And that's what I just kept thinking. Like, I'm like, oh, where are the coral skippers? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, for yeah. those of you who have not had the pleasure of reading the New Jedi Order books, the Yuzhong Vong are the villains in those books, and they are a society that like completely excuse technology. Like it's it's basically abhorrent in their religion, and they seek to destroy all technology. Uh, and so everything they have is organic. So very much reminded me of this. Except, you know, with less dudes. Because mm-hmm. there are no dudes. <laughs> Can you imagine if all the Vong were ladies, though? Uh, that would be amazing. I like that. <laughs> okay. When we reboot Star Wars 20 years from now, that's what we're going to do, Nancy. Okay. Marvelous. Um, so, yeah. And then you also talked about, like, the way, like, reproduction and sex and how that works in this society. Yeah. So, like, it so it kind of goes into, like, why I'm fascinated by body horror. Also, like, evolutionary, um, like like genetics and evolution and how, um, you know, especially when it comes to reproduction is just really interesting to me. And in the book, several characters, they are attracted sexually to other characters. They do have sex with other characters and it's not for reproduction, obviously. So that kind of indicates to me that at one point, whoever these people evolved from they were humans like us because that's you know why you know we have we have prostate glands we have clitorises we have g-spots as like humans you know to Mm -hmm. make us want to reproduce because reproduction is takes a lot of resources and time uh yes can Mm -hmm. confirm (laughs) yes indeed (laughs) yeah so um And then that, too, made me wonder, like, because these characters are becoming pregnant randomly without any real rhyme or reason, they always give the reason as they're pregnant with something that their ship with their ship world needs. But um, there's no proof in here that the that the worlds are actually, you know, making that happen. There's no mechanical functioning like there's not even like maybe, you know, spores as sperm or something like that that they're breathing in. It's very unclear. So that made me wonder if, um, you know, maybe it's a part of their religion. Maybe it's just a part of their own mythos. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I um, go ahead. Oh, okay. No, I was um, I was going to talk about something else. (laughs) Okay. I was just going to say that, like, at times, I was actually really um, 
surprised that while I was reading the book, like at no point did I think that it was weird that there were no men in the book. Mm-hmm. It was only after like when I wasn't reading and thinking about it, I'm like, huh, I wonder if there were men at some point in time or mm-hmm. if there just never were any men in the society. Um, that's, you know, an interesting idea. And then I'd go back to reading and I'm like, nothing wrong here. Right. <laughs> perfectly Except fine. Except for the war and infections. Yes. You know? Apologies to all our male listeners. We love you very much. We know not all men. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like I, I you know I didn't grow up reading science fiction but um you know I read I tried to read like some of the classics like when I got older and more interested in it like I read the foundation books I read um some of the ender books and like I really loved the first three foundation books but man those books are a sausage fest. <laughs> I've never read those. They're what pro- are they? Um, are they by? Uh, Isaac Asimov. Oh, okay. It's like far, you know, far future space opera sort of thing. Um, it's it's really good, <laughs> but it is. Ooh, Ellie. <laughs> Ellie. Ellie doesn't like those books. No, apparently not. <laughs> no. So let's not talk about that. Okay. <laughs> yeah, like I'm the same. I grew so I grew up mainly reading like Babysitters Club. Yes. You no, know, and I like, was Marianne. Yeah, I was either I was either Marianne or Dawn, depending on my mood. <laughs> um, but like I was also you know into just like any YA book about groups of girls. So yeah. like that thing to me, it wasn't that. Um, it wasn't that abnormal either. And also, it also, um, sorry, give me, give me one second. I'm okay. okay. Ellie? No, no, no. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> okay. But anyway, like when reading the book, it made me realize that like, do they even have a word for gender? And I don't know. That's so cool because it's like, yeah, I don't know. That part really made me happy, but it's just like, okay, here we are. Right. So, um, so do we want to move on to the world building or was there something else you wanted to mention? Oh, about the, um, we didn't really talk about the unreliable narrators, but I really, sometimes I don't like that trope. Um, mm-hmm. It depends on really how well it's written. But I thought this was really well done. Um, you know, the the whole, like, waking up without your memory is very uh, tropey. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but this, with the story, it ended up working. Uh, working the, the way it is. And, you know, obviously because, you know, we learn later on who Zan really is. So, mm-hmm. um, and, you know, why she lost her that she ended up actually lo- losing her memory on purpose. So mm-hmm. I like right. that. I liked it too. And yeah. same with um, how Jade Jade would, you know, reference these quote unquote terrible things she's done. Yeah. And, you know, it was kind of, and like how she'd kind of like compare her and Zan to mm-hmm. each other. So yeah, I, yeah, I like that too. <laughs> 
So we talked about the world ships a little bit before and like how, you know, whether the society was tech based or not. But now, you know, they're all organic world ships and they're run by different families. So the first world ship we're on is the Ketarjinas, uh, and then there's also the uh, Bavajas. See, this, it, there's a lot of names I can't pronounce in this book. I just call it um, Reseda's family. Reseda's family, and then the Mokshi, which is the ship that they've been trying to board. And you know, there's there's implied that there's lots of other families. Um, they're in the outer rim of the Legion, and they're all orbiting, um, and they refer to her at one time as an artificial star, which I want to know what that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and, like, did they have planets at one point in time? And these were, you know, made out of necessity? Or how did that happen? Uh, Something but, bad happened. Yeah, I think so. I, I know um, people have, you know, asked her if she's going to write any more books. And she said, you know, this is a standalone. But a lot of people have been asking for books like set beforehand. And mm-hmm. I think that would be interesting to see, like, how the Legion became the Legion. Uh, yeah. Um, right. And we talked about it before. There's all women. Um, and we like it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. I think too, like because they they use the title Lord, which I really liked. Um, I I really hated it in um, Star Wars when the female Sith would be called Lady. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, no, she's a freaking Lord too. Why can't she be? Yeah, a lord? <laughs> it doesn't mean the same thing. No, um, not interchangeable like king and queen. Even yeah. And, um, you know, it was interesting because, like, even, you know, you kind of, like, have in your head some sort of idea of what you think a book with all women would be like. And this is definitely not like that at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it, it was it was just very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It was very refreshing to read a sci-fi book, especially with all women. Because, you know, I read a lot of, like, I used to read a lot of chiclet and, like, I'll read romance sometimes. And, you know, those are kind of sometimes heavily dominated by female characters. But, you know, to read a science fiction book specifically that's all women, I really appreciated. And I hope this is, like, the start of a trend. <laughs> uh I mean, I guess you could say the that ancillary justice sort of started that trend, but um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talked about the Vong already, but go look them yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, it was especially um, the first time they in their first assault on the Mokshi with their little like um, their little space bees. Yeah, those were weird. But yeah, I couldn't tell if they were like vehicles or um like the oh my gosh what's it called on Jakku Lugabees. Like oh Lug- yeah, yeah but they were like they were I I I was I was picturing motorcycles. Me <laughs> like, too. 
Um, and like the way they described like spraying on their suit and everything, and then everything gets absorbed back into the world. Mm-hmm. It was really fascinating. And like the whole bit with like the recycling, like, okay, the recycler monster scene was really gross, but it was actually not as gross as I thought it would be because I'd heard like stuff about it before and like how bad it was. And I read it. I'm like, Oh, this isn't that bad. (laughs) (laughs) Isn't that bad. This is a monster that eats people. Mm -hmm. Uh, So like, but then I, I think I wasn't really horrified for it by it because I was thinking like logistically how it worked. Cause I'm like, okay, so you throw someone down into the recycling chute and then they just stay there until the monsters come and eat them and then what happens after that (laughs) i'm assuming the monsters would like excrete them and they would be absorbed back into the world and it'd be a circle of life thing (laughs) that's what i assumed but then um there's that one scene where jade is with anna and she sees like faces of some of the people who've been recycled so yeah and like and they said that this has happened to her before so Mm -hmm. you know i'm just like okay so you're recycled but you're not necessarily recycled because you can get out if you yeah if it's again i think it maybe comes to like you know what we see is the actual recycling Mm -hmm. with the recycling monster um, but what they call recycling is more of like a religious thing. Hmm. Like maybe there's something else that That's happened. Interesting. Yeah, because because um, I didn't write this down, but that um, the the bonding ceremony or the joining, <laughs> I think they called it, with um, Jade and Reseda was kind of crazy. <laughs> Because they stabbed a woman and then drank her blood. I'm like, that's a wedding. Yeah. Well, now you're prepared for my wedding when you come. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. too late for me to add that to mine, but maybe for the vow renewal. Aww. (laughs) For your 50th. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, there are bunch of characters in this book um obviously zan is the main character she's the first one we meet um and so the book is told in first person points of view alternating which a lot of times i i don't like but i i liked it here because again i think it was written well and the whole unreliable narrator thing worked with it being in first person i think a lot better um and um so Zan, as we said, she's lost her memory. She starts off um trying to go get her memory back from the Mokshi, fails, um, is recycled, uh, and then basically has to make her way back to the surface. So I was very much like after the first part was done, I'm like, oh, it's a quest. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that, but okay. Yeah, here. 
Um, and then, of course, we learn near the end of the book that she is actually the Lord of the Mokshi, which I did not see coming. I was disappointed in myself <laughs> that I did not see that coming. Did you see that coming? I, I have, I kind of had a feeling that she was from the from the Mokshi, but I didn't think she was the Lord of it. Yeah, I kept. Um, I, I, I think I, I glommed onto that part too, um, especially like when, um, Das Muni was like kind of recognizing her um mm-hmm. so but yeah then when they when they you know reveal that she was the lord of the ship i'm like oh that makes a lot of sense mm-hmm. <laughs> now it all makes sense yeah uh, so i thought that was neat because like it's it's sort of a um you know like a it's almost the royalty you know the way they're written but to because when you meet Zan she's just kind of anonymous it I think it was more interesting that way yeah I kind of thought it was like okay well I guess we're getting a look at like a faceless drone that they keep sending off to maybe die Mm -hmm. like have her be like you know an important person who as we see in flashbacks is like you know, so like brave and honor and well, maybe not honorable, (laughs) but like, you know, so like strong as, as a character. I mean, yeah, I liked her a lot. Um, I mean, definitely not like a perfect character, but I, I was definitely able to not necessarily relate to her, but sympathize with her. Um, (laughs) Uh, Jade, not so much. <laughs> I wanted to, but it was really hard. She made it really hard to like her. <laughs> yeah, Jade's kind of terrible. She is. Like, and um, she knows I, it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I felt bad for her when, like, you know, the red wedding in space happened. Yeah. But that was about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it was really kind of a like a rug pulled out out from under you sort of moment when she's got this big plan to go over to you know get married to Reseda and then she'll be able to get the arm and the world and then Reseda comes back and she's like oh yeah I just killed everybody (laughs) and she's like oh shit (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and then, like, I I did like how she was just so, she was always, like, putting a positive spin on everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, well, okay, she killed all of, all of my family, but I can still make this work. Right. <laughs> I'm like, Jane, honey, no. <laughs> Right. Like it's it's time to get it's time to leave. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so like um you know, as them together, Zan and Jade as a couple, mm-hmm. something I again loved about this book is how at the end of the story they acknowledge that they are completely terrible for each other. Mm-hmm. As, like, 
And I just think that is like such a good, such a good. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's, um, it's rare to see that. It's rare to see like two characters who go through so much like, got everything, emotional, spiritual, physical abuse, and end up, you know, not trying to make things work. Right. Yeah. Especially as, like, a queer romance, which, again, it's like, well, are they, you know, but, you know, from our standards, we, you know, they are queer. Right. Yeah, I, um... I, it was it was a thing where I was kind of like rooting for them to have a happily ever after, but at the same time I was like, "No, she's terrible," mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, "I'm like, okay, I do want the backstory with them of how the hell they got together and came up with this plan because that's I yeah yeah." And, like, was there anything attracting them other than, like, the other one being hot? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then there's Rosita, who is the Lord of the Barajas, and Anat, who is the Lord of the Katarjunas. And they're both sort of really bitchy women. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Anat... More so, she really does not like Xan, and you don't realize why until much later on when a gnat is dead. <laughs> R.I.P. a gnat. <laughs> uh, Rosita was a I I liked her as a villainous character. Um, you know, it was kind of like I felt bad for Jade, but I was also kind of glad that she got a comeuppance. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So like I, I feel I enjoyed reading Annette more because she was just so ruthless. Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to sympathizing, I could I could understand Rosita in a bit. Yeah. Um, but Anna is she's such a badass. She wears a metal arm, and she has several other daughters other than just Jade. Yeah. who um, kind of do her bidding. Mm-hmm. And it's I think it's like of all the characters in here that I'd want to see expanded on, it'd be her, honestly. Yeah, I want to know about the arm. Mm-hmm. Where did <laughs> it too. come from? What does it actually do? Uh, well, I guess, you know, we kind of saw it, like it, it controls the Mokshi's defenses, but like, how did that come about? Who made it? Uh, you know, and Kazan, like, she ends up putting it on, but, like, she, you know, she had, it's never mentioned, you know, before that, that she doesn't have, you know, an an arm. You know, like, you, I, I, when I first, when it first came up in the book, I was thinking of it more like a prosthetic mm-hmm. than, like, something that goes over your your actual arm. Um, yeah, like a glove or something. Yeah, so I'm like, how did... Why did they make that? <laughs> did they find it somewhere? I really want to know the story of the, the arm. <laughs> it was Anakin's. Oh, God. <laughs> I just flew away. Oh, no wonder they're all so terrible. <laughs> 
Indeed. Uh, and then we've got um, Sabata, who I really felt bad for. Yeah. She was like, she just wanted to help Zan pretty much. Yeah. And I kind of, I mean, I kind of, I kind of take issue with Sabata's treatment because mm-hmm. she's really the only severely disabled um, character in this book. And she's regulated to like a handmaiden type right. position, which I thought was kind of weird. But yeah. I was also, I liked how, um, I liked how it was just kind of a default that everyone knew how to sign. Like that yeah. was. Yeah, and then when they yeah when they did the thing with the cutting out the tongues, I I immediately thought of uh, Hunger Games. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure that's in lots of other books, but that's that's what I thought of first. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I thought it was great when um, Rosita was like, "I brought you a friend," and then Sabata comes in and Jade's like, "Oh." Fuck, she's the worst person. Why <laughs> this one? You don't know me at all. <laughs> uh, and then we've got Zan's gang, which, you know, in the um, plot summary, it describes her ragtag band. And I was like, I wish I had read that before the book because that is a very apt description of the people she she gathers like these bitches wish they had rags <laughs> right like first you've got das muni who is living in the recycling level like eating her after birth <laughs> uh she has, like fish babies but she yes it's real like honestly that was the part that grossed me out the most in this book was when they were eating her little fish babies. I was like, yeah. oh my god, no, I'm never going to be able to eat fish again. <laughs> um, but uh, later we find out that she's also from the Mokshi, so that explains why she helped Zan get out and um, you know, why she goes along on this crazy mission. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they get up a few levels and they meet Casimir, who is like from an engineering society. And uh, sh- I, she was um, exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I liked her. <laughs> I did too. I liked her because she was like, she was kind of the um Cameron Hurley's way of orienting the audience, I feel, mm-hmm. because she's she's an engineer and she comes from a world where she's looking at everything going on on um I can't say the name of it, I can't pronounce it, just Zan and Jade's planet yeah. that they're on. Kazar. Katarjuna, I think. Yeah, that one. If it's pronounced like the name, I think that's what like it is. Like Katarzyna? Yeah. Okay. Well, Casimir is there (laughs) and she's, you know, kind of, you know, she's not as fish out of water as Zan is when she loses her memory, but she's looking at everyone and being like, oh my God, what's wrong with these people? Yeah. 
So what's interesting, again, when it comes to world building, I feel, is that, um, you know, she experiences, like, the pregnancy stuff, too, and that she randomly gets pregnant. So, you know, she's from a society that's, you know, whatever the offshoot is of all the other characters. But um, the biggest difference is that she's um, she's kind of the, like, um, she's very pro body autonomy mm-hmm. and she talks to Zan about, you know, having control over her body and, you know, giving herself abortions mm-hmm. in order to really control her destiny. Because again, it sounds like if we're to trust these characters, that they're getting pregnant without doing anything like there's, um, Jade, talks about treatments she's getting but other than that it sounds like you know it's like really super random so Casimir kind of um she has a fresh point of view that I think is really good to read about because it's totally alien to us but it's also a little relatable yeah I also when they got to when they met her and then she brought them to their village or city or whatever you want to call it. I was very much like what whoa, there's like lots of other like societies in this world like and then later on we meet Arankadash and her people and I'm like how many different like societies are there throughout the levels of this world ship and like Zan even comments that like the people on the surface have no idea that this is down here but then you realize she might not know because she's not from this world but you know I got the impression that like it's kind of like up on the surface those are like the superficial things that you you would see from an outside observer of the people who are fighting with each other and everything. And, but then like inside the world, it's just people going about their daily lives and making their own societies without caring what's going on up there. And and also like how big is this planet? Yeah. I was like, I, when, as they were walking, I'm like, this is very much reminding me of like, a fantasy book and I'm like I can see now that why Cameron Hurley writes fantasy because it's very much we're going to go on a quest through the world Mm -hmm. and come up with really crazy stuff like crystal forests (laughs) (laughs) those are fun yes and like I said we had a Rankadash who um they her people helped save them from like mutants which i want to know more about the mutants too like and the witches yes like okay yeah the witches are very odd (laughs) (laughs) um they reminded me very much like i was having really big macbeth vibes whenever they were on the page yeah it's like yeah um so those are all of the main characters um that we meet through the book. Um 
the plot, there's a lot of MacGuffins in this book. And those of you who don't know what a MacGuffin is, the MacGuffin is basically the thing that you're trying to get through the story, but it's not really what the story's about. So like in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, the uh, the Holy Grail is the MacGuffin. Uh, so here there's uh, invading the Mokshi. Um, that's like one of the main things they need they need to do. Um, and then you find out because, you know, she left her she actually left her memory there. You know, it wasn't like an accident. She did it on purpose. Um, the arm is really the big one, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. um, and then and then we find out later that the world is also the thing they need to get. So Zan and Jade have swapped wombs, basically. So, because Zan can give birth to people, um, which I'm wondering if that's like a lord type of thing. Um, because, you know, I Rosita could do that. And I think Anat also, if she's, you know, calling them her children. That's true. So I'm wondering if that's like a lord thing. But, um, but then where's everyone else coming from? Who knows? <laughs> the recycler? <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to think about it. Like, it's funny because I really liked this book, but it's also like, I don't want to think about it because it's horrifying to think about. <laughs> um, so, um, yeah, the war. So, Zan and Jade have swapped wombs beforehand because they want Jade to get traded over to Reseda. Um, and if she can give birth to humans, they, they will do that. Um, so we also find out that, <laughs> that, um, Rosita was able to give birth to like the world, basically. Hold on one second. Ellie does not like Rosita. <laughs> Ellie? No. No. She's not yeah. like Rosita. That's okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the world babies. Yeah. So then Rosita apparently could give birth to a world. Um, but she swapped wombs with her mother. And then her mother swapped the wombs with Jade. <laughs> so it's really hard to keep it. <laughs> Great. Yes. Whose so, womb belongs to who? So Jade basically had two different wombs in the book, and she gave birth to a baby, baby, <laughs> and then a world baby. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, that's a lot of pregnancy, Seth. <laughs> and you need a nap. <laughs> right? Everyone does. <laughs> it reminds me of, uh, so. When you go to the fertility specialist kids, they give you drugs to make you ovulate and you and they, they give you uh, follicle stimulating hormones because they want your follicles to be nice and big. Uh, but the problem is if you have too many of them that are big, then you will have too many eggs that could be fertilized and you end up like Octomom. So, you know... <laughs> the first yeah. first time I went for my 
ultrasound, the nurse is like, let's hope you don't have it too many follicles. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> please. So that's what that reminded me of. I'm like, dude, I'm like, have this fear of surprise, you're pregnant. Yay. Oh, and you have three babies in there. <laughs> uh, so like thinking of having to give birth to a whole world, I'm like, oh, my God, no. Mm -hmm. or, or or like engines mm -hmm. like ow <laughs> mm -hmm. like Seriously, those are some sharp edges I sh I'm sure yeah and it's like they're they're like the one that um Arankadash has is like round like how does that come out like <laughs> and like and the other thing that I found really interesting now that we're talking about that is there's really no sort of like midwifery Mm -hmm. or like you know obstetrics at all and you would think that that would be like a profession that would grow up in this sort of society but they it's just like you know when animals have babies they just have them yeah it's like changing your tampon <laughs> yes okay gotta deal with this <sighs> yes I wish it was that easy except no because I don't want to give birth to like ship parts <laughs> mm -mm. no no please don't <laughs> i really don't um so then we get to like the quest part of the book which um to be honest was not my favorite part um like i f i thought a lot of like the character stuff in there was interesting like the different conversations but i was kind of like okay we can move along. Yeah. Let's go like back. Okay, I got something weird. <laughs> okay, we got it. It's and, weird. And it was funny because when Cameron Hurley was writing this book, I remember her talking on Twitter about how, like, she's really bad at getting plots to books. Like, she'll, she'll write a first draft and, like, her agent will be like, okay, we need a plot. <laughs> And it will just, like, sit and hammer out what the plot is. <laughs> and so I'm, like, sitting here, I'm like, oh, I can very well pinpoint when she was like, I'm going to have a quest. Because <laughs> that's like, okay, easy. And as a writer, I respect that. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, but it was, like, an, an interesting... Um, you know, comparison to see her like climbing through the world and learning more about the world. And as so she's learning about who she really is, you know, there's a yeah. lot of metaphors there. And it culminates in um, her, like in her meeting someone who she's met with before, who she's made herself forget about, who gives her a recording of herself when she's on the mock sheet. Yeah. Like, about her plan. Yeah. So once we finally get to the end and they're on the Mokshi, you sort of learn a lot more about what actually happened with them. So like all throughout the book is hinted that Jade has betrayed Zan um, and they have this grand plan um, and... You're like you 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 we learn what the plan is, but not really how it's going to work or why. Um, but 
you know, at the end when they finally go to the Mokshi, we get the recording of Zan, and she's made like a bunch of these every time she goes over to the Mokshi. Um, and, you know, we learn like that, you know, Jade basically kind of seduced her and then they ended up planning together and plotting and it was very complicated. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It was, it's one of, again, one of those things that I think like is left to us to really about. And I was, I, cause I kept thinking like, you know, they talk about how many times Zan has, you know, gone to the Mokshi. And so I'm left wondering, like, okay, how many times was she recycled? How many times did she go to the Mokshi and fail? You know, mm-hmm. and how, you know, is, has she lost her memory beforehand? Or is, like, when she wakes up, is that really the first time that she's lost her memory? Yeah. And it's, it's the whole recycling process. I feel like <laughs> that's like my that's like my biggest gripe about this book is that that I think of all things needed to be clear. Yeah. Cuz it's really complicated. Yeah, like you know they they imply that, you know, she didn't lose her memory every time she went over and they say like she she lost her memory on purpose. So she wouldn't remember what Jade did. And so they could do this plan. But then like it's also sort of implied that she's woken up before and not known who they are. And they've had to like they they have this protocol for like waking her up and stuff. Mm-hmm. So like, I felt like it wasn't the first time. Yeah, I would I would like to see Cameron Hurley's notes about how many times this stuff has happened. <laughs> Like, that can't be good for your brain. No. Uh, it can't. But, like, I did... I really liked the whole sort of mystery thing. And I just... Like, I thought it was really well written because I could tell, like, it could have gotten so annoying where it's like, oh, I did this terrible thing, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. But, like, Mm -hmm. the way it was written, like, it never came off as, like, they were hiding something. It just hadn't been revealed yet. Yeah. And, and, you know, there was some stuff left unsaid, but the main, like, sort of relationship and everything, I'm glad that was revealed because I probably would have had a big problem if it hadn't. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... Same here. Like when I'm reading, when I was reading through it and like the very beginning, it's, you know, I like how there were hints dropped about what had happened. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's like organic, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so the plot to have it actually revealed. Right. Um, so for, I, we talked a, a little bit before about the themes so I think I think we're pretty good there, unless we want to talk about other stuff. Um, we mentioned fertility, and you know the other you know side of that is abortion, obviously, where you know there's um, Zan talks about um, that she got rid of a baby, um, 
for Jade, like for this plan. And I was really confused about why she had to do that. Um, like, I just, I felt like, I'm like, well, why did you have, was it just because Jade wanted the womb or um, did she just not want to have the child, like, holding her back from this? Like, I would have liked a little more, like, why exactly she did that. Yeah, same here. I kind of wondered if it had, I mean, like, in the, she has a conversation with Casimir about having control of one's issue. Yeah. So it makes me wonder if she felt like she didn't have, um, you know, the capacity to raise a child and she didn't trust giving it to anyone else. Yeah. Because I mean, it would have eventually succeeded her as Lord of Mokshi. Right. And, you know, the, f- for as much as it was, like, empowering to think about the whole idea of, like, being able to swap wombs and all of that, and, like, everyone just kind of, like, gets birth, ran, give, you know, gets pregnant randomly, um, but, you know, it's also, like, uh, it's sort of horrifying to think of, getting pregnant when you don't want to (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, and like you know here like we see um arankadash you know gets pregnant and then gives birth to the little chip part uh in the time they travel and it's like that's like it just randomly happens and they're like oh yeah this happens all the time you're Mm -hmm. like oh stop staring yeah like but that's horrifying and like the fact that they can't control what they give birth to mm-hmm. like that I related to a lot because like the whole having no control thing it's like you know it's like not to get into too much TMI but like so much of like sex and reproduction is it's tied together obviously <laughs> uh, and I think that's why I like this book because it wasn't because mm-hmm. like when you are struggling with fertility it's like you know you you learn that you have sex and you get pregnant and then when you don't you're like well what the hell is wrong with my body <laughs> uh so it was very much like I, I i identified with the whole like that they were getting pregnant but they couldn't control what it was um so like for me i'm i'm kind of the opposite mm-hmm. i'm so I am like saving up money for having my tubes removed <laughs> because just because like ever since I was a really like small kid, I always knew I did. I never wanted to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. And some of it is kind of like gender issues that I didn't fully realize until like adulthood and stuff. But um, to me, like this was a metaphor for how I've always kind of looked at like the history of being a woman where it's assumed you are going to get pregnant, you know, it's like, or at least it's assumed that that's something that's going to happen. Like, I think, you know, like they say 80% of women throughout history have given birth compared to 40% of men. (laughs) So, so, you know, yeah. So I don't know, to me, it's like as someone who never wants to get pregnant, um, 
I, I could just kind of relate to how, you know, what Casimir was talking about in regards to, you know, like having, like having full autonomy and right. it, like having to do with your destiny. And then also Zan's, um, you know, when she realizes that they have no control over it. I felt like that was a metaphor for like women who are raised in environments where, oh my God, Ellie almost stepped on my power <laughs> Oh no. Anyway, it's like a metaphor for women raised in societies where they're taught like from being a girl, like this is what you're going to do. You're going to do this with your body. Like the Duggars? Yes, yes. <laughs> I had to bring them up. Oh my God, it's like if the Duggars were in space and all gay. <sighs> Oh, God. <laughs> We're going to write that. Okay. <laughs> no, but like, I, you know, I think that's interesting. Like, I definitely, I think she did a good job of having it be relatable to like, like, you know, someone who doesn't want kids and someone who does. Like, mm-hmm. I think we, every... I think every woman could probably relate to the whole idea of not having control. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, you know, very much like why I'm, you know, my mom asked me one time, she's like, are you still, you know, pro-choice after having a miscarriage? I'm like, I am so way more now <laughs> because like I want control. And, you know, that's, I think that was the, a good message to send today. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's basically what I got from it too, that if you have a uterus, no matter what you want, living in this world is a horror show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, you know, they want you to have babies, but then they don't help you take care of them. Mm-hmm. And if you can't have them, uh, good luck trying to pay for it. <laughs> I wonder if that's like a metaphor for something. Yeah. Let's go found a society that's only women, but not have recycler monsters. No. Please. Oh my god, that would imagine if the recycler monsters were actually puppies and you fell down the chute into a pile of puppies. Maybe like that's what Destiny is seeing. Like, I mean, (laughs) there's something wrong with her. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, there is something wrong with her. And I I mean, I felt bad because like they all kind of like are like you are crazy, but I'm like I think she actually is. Yeah. Uh and that's sad. Um you should help her. Uh right? Like I I don't think they have Prozac in yeah. this world. I mean uh, like I think a lot of them would need it. <laughs> yeah. Or, or some other type of medication. <laughs> or alcohol or something. Or you just lose your memory. Yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> okay, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Oh, so we've been going for a while. So is there anything else from the book that you would like to talk about? I think we mentioned pretty much everything on the show notes. Oh, um, the twins were badass. The Those twins? were Jay's sisters. Oh, yeah. yes. And they die. Yeah. But they were they cool while they were alive. Yeah. 
Like I uh, I think this is a really good example of like if people are unfamiliar with space opera as a genre, like what it is because it's very character focused, but there's like this whole larger world that you're left going, I want to know about everything out here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Who are the other planets? Like, what are they doing? Um, and that's probably why, you know, Star Wars Expanded Universe has lasted as long as it did. <laughs> right. Because you're like, I want to know about that. And they write it, they write about it. <laughs> Alrighty, so I think we'll wrap it up there. Um, I hope you all enjoyed our discussion of uteruses, and we didn't talk about placenta at all. But um, I um, she <laughs> she actually tweeted something about how people. Someone said like she talked. She used the word placenta too much, and I'm like, uh. It's they're giving birth like that happens. Don't ever watch okay. someone have a baby. <laughs> it happens. Placenta happens. <laughs> Get used to it. Yes. Uh, yeah, I thought it was funny that they were horrified more by the placenta mentions than by eating the fish babies. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that and the funeral feast. Yeah, yeah. Get your priorities straight. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the Tashi Station Book Club. We, is, we have been brought to you in part or by you, our Patreon subscribers. Uh, please click the link on the blog to help us support the show. And um, you can find us on Twitter with the handles Tashi underscore station, Nancy Pants, and Nancy, Nancy with an I. And Nicole, can you remind everyone of your Twitter? I'm Nicole Sia on Twitter. That's spelled N-I-C-O-L-E-C-I-E-U-X. And you can find all of our columns and news at Tashi-Station.net. Our book club discussions are on Goodreads. And you can also, you know, talk to us on Twitter. Um, Thanks for joining us again. And this month we have two episodes. uh, So we'll be back at the end of the month to discuss Binti Home by Nettie Okorafor. Bye.